to say yes sir and then the bible goes on to say eh hey, hey, if you are obedient you are calling the bible alaba shake bredo sokono hey hallelujah ah no let's do this thing give me first peter chapter 3 i feel the anointing to teach this thing the light if the light goes on it's not enough it's not enough for the light to go on the bible says the light shines it shines no my light will not just go on hora basaka la mashida bahaya mambro do sagida haya no my light will not just go on it's not enough that you clear you have to be excellent your light no 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 it's, it's not enough that you look before and he has put all the audience can also say i'm ready i'm ready beautiful 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 okay so um wow wow i've got so much to talk to you about that the lord has been putting in my spirit these days uh we've been isolated and quarantined uh in this in this moment there's there's not so much distraction so there's been such focus on the word of god and receiving revelation and just thinking on a number of things and some of the things i've thought about is any true believer is looking at how less works they have done and now they just can't wait to go out and do some work mm-hmm. and then those who are practical are already finding means and ways in which they can um just make everything possible online rather than waiting when there's already the internet so we use it to our advantage you know but today i want to tell i just want to talk about jesus um today is jesus day i mean he resurrected so who else to talk about that jesus we're having what is known as uh you know it's passover in in the Jewish tradition is celebrated over a period of 8 days for those who are in the diaspora and for those that are in Jerusalem they celebrate it for um 7 days and uh there are very specific instructions that were given to these people as at the time that God was talking to them about the passover and we are going to look at these things sometimes you may think people know these things but they don't know and when you learn what really happened and how some of these things came about including Esther and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ through the lenses of the old testament to the new testament you begin to appreciate your christian faith a little bit more so it's 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 the great love story honestly um it's a great love story that's what i can call it you can name this sermon the great love story it's a great love story after all you know uh, the bible talks about uh, the tra- jesus christ gives a parable of the treasure or uh, of uh, jesus christ gives uh, a parable the parable of the treasure and this man 
found a treasure in a field. You know, he found a treasure in a field and he sold everything he had just so that he could buy the treasure together with the field. You know, and I believe that that treasure is talking about the church and the field is the world. So Jesus Christ had to sell everything he ever had in order that he can come and have the treasure. So it may not necessarily be about the field, but it's about the treasure. And I believe the content of the treasure can affect the state of the field. Um, this is why he had to sell everything he had. When you begin looking at the Old Testament, there are certain things that the Bible discusses that need a lot of revelation because the Old Testament has two parts. There's one part which was specifically written for history, another part was specifically written to the Jews. Then the other part was written for revelation so that we can look at it through the lens of revelation, through the lens of the Spirit. That's how come there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of allegories and metaphors or what in theology, in, the in theology we call types and shadows. When you read scriptures like uh, Colossians chapter number 2 verse 16, the Bible says, let no one bind you towards Sabbaths or festivals because all those things were just a shadow of the things to come. The reality is Christ. So there are certain things that God had to do very specifically and they carried such a holy mandate because those things were speaking to the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I just wish we had a podcast recording this or something. But those things were just speaking to the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me do it. These are things that you record. Just so that I can remember. I want to keep a very good record on my phone. It's okay, my phone is good. Yeah. So that we have a memory of everything that happened in, 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 in specificity. You know, for example, the Bible says, a man shall leave his father and mother. I think that should be in Genesis chapter number 2 or 3. It says, a man, a man shall leave his father and mother and shall unite with his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. You know, and that scripture applies to the marriages that they were having, but God was still trying to communicate something. Uh, it could mean, for example, that when you get married, you have to leave your family. It's not just leaving your mother and father's house. I mean, every worldly person can do that. Mm -hmm. But we are talking about leaving even their influence over you so that you can begin to build a new home without interference from them. But if your mother can come in and talk about how you liked your gizzards cooked or whatever that is, it means you have not really left the home, you have just left the house. You know? So you have to totally leave. <clears throat> but then, at a deeper sense, he's also talking about Jesus Christ, how that he will leave his whole family in heaven so that he could come and unite himself with the bride the church mm -hmm. so you can sometimes read certain things in the old testament but you need to look at them with a, a deeper eye the different ways of interpreting scripture so that you can come to an understanding that's applicable to you in today shout hallelujah hallelujah type hallelujah <laughs> so you have to learn how these things work and so here is Adam. Adam has, has fallen. This is how the great love story begins. Adam wants to become like God. The devil tells him, uh, you should eat of this fruit. When you eat of this fruit, you will become like God. God told him, don't eat of it because of the, 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 the day you eat of it, you die. So he eats of it, and after he eats of it, God comes and says, why have you eaten of it? He says, ah, I thought I could become like you. And God is like, but I told you, you are already like me. What more did you want to become? I can explain. It was too late. <laughs> God get, gets very angry at him. He was not happy with him. He was angry at him. He chases him out of the garden. Since you say you want to be like God, go and live for yourself. Let's now see what becomes of you now that you want to be like God. Go. 
be God over himself. So he chases him out of the garden and he's regretting it. He's wondering, oh, why did I do this? He tries to come back. God sends a cherub. And this cherub was so huge and he had a sword, a flaming sword. Okay? So this is this is this is a personality, a person who looks like lightning. Imagine. You see lightning passing like that, but you see lightning embodied in a person. And that person has got a flaming sword. Come on, this is So you cannot, you cannot dare that person. You couldn't enter the garden. You know? And so well, what I believe about the Garden of Eden is after the, after the, the chasing of, uh, of Adam, God took away the presence, his presence from the Garden of Eden. And um, everything that was there, God took away its glory. Because God told Adam, the earth shall be cursed for your sake. In other words, because of you, the earth is, is cursed. He didn't say minus the Garden of Eden. So all he did is he withdrew his presence and his glory from the garden afterwards. And it became just like any other normal place, you know. Um, that's what I believe happened. So there they go. Suddenly Adam realized he could sweat, could get tired, mosquitoes could bite him when they were like buddies, but they're like mutated. And then they had all these paras parasitical whatever viruses, and then they could infect him. The lions, he wanted to talk to the lion. The lion had bondok and wanted to bite him and eat him. Everything was just against him. He wanted to go out and watch the rain. The lightning was about to strike him. Everything had just become angry at him. That's why the Bible says in the book of Romans chapter number 8, that the world was subjected to frustration. That's how come you find things like cockroaches and flies and maggots. Who created them? God in his perfect sense cannot create, in his perfect nature cannot create maggots. God cannot create flies. You think God created grasshoppers, I mean cockroaches, and all those, you know, lice and some hideous creatures. You know they are hideous, but you don't know who created them, so you don't want to call them hideous. But they really are hideous. You are right, God did not create them. But they were subjected to frustration. Everything changed when Adam sinned. Everything changed. For the first time, there were thorns. Because the Bible says, for your sake, the earth shall bring up thorns and thistles. There was one time when I was looking at the rose and I was wondering, why does it have thorns? I don't know why I was thinking like that. Because for, as far as I know, every, every, every rose has thorns. But then God took me back and I saw the first time you see thorns is in the book of Genesis 3 because the Bible says, for your sake, the world will bring out thorns. So even very beautiful roses had thorns. That's how come you find very pretty women who are mean. Okay, so uh, moving on. <laughs> yeah, roses can have thorns. You can need to write a poem, roses with thorns. Okay. <laughs> So that's what really happened as at that time, the world was subjected to frustration. And even uh, mosquitoes, which I believe were supposed to be eating nectar, now became bloodthirsty. Things just changed, you know, everything just... But then God in his mercy was thinking, I need to redeem again. Look, he can't even save himself. He's become, there's nothing, he gets tired, he's getting old. So God, God in his mercy decided, you know what, I'm going to save this guy. How am I going to do it? So what God did, this is why he began following. So what God did is, he started looking for uh, a man. That's after Noah had already happened, and then Abraham came in. So God was looking for a man through whom to come and save humanity. So out of his sovereign nature, and out of his will, he decided to go for the family of Abraham. Now, Abraham, Abraham, was, um, Abraham was a pagan worshiper. Abraham was a pagan, rather. He was an idol worshiper. Maybe you can just stop there. Abraham was not, by then he was Abraham. 
he was not a believer. He didn't start out as a believer, but God called him. And that's why he was called a man of faith. Because the, imagine this guy is like 70, 75. He's grown up. He's staying on his own. And then God appears to him and he tells him, um, you follow me. Then God, he says, who are you? He says, just follow. Where are you taking me? Just follow. And then he goes to his house and he tells everybody we are leaving. <laughs> because God told me we are... Which God? Everybody worships the moon God, the God of the wood, the forest, the God of the stones. There were like many gods at the time. In their place, the God who was famous was the God of the stars. You know, they used to worship universe gods and stuff like that, space gods. But then there's this new God. What's his name? His name is I Am. Like, it's just confusing. And then, yeah, we have all these gods. Who's this new God? I don't know, but I don't know. It just excites me. Everybody obviously thought he was crazy. But that's why he's called the man of faith. He just stood up and started following. That's why he was called the father of faith. He didn't question, he just followed. Mm -hmm. And if you want to follow God properly, you don't question. Your brain and your reason is an asset in the realm of the, uh, in the physical realm. But in the realm of the spirit, it is a, a, a liability. Your thinking can weigh down the processes of God. You can think things through to the extent that you think the processes and plans of God out. So this is how come when you are dealing with God, if you're going to reason, you reason by faith. But if you're going to deal with God, you just believe what he tells you. Because there are very few things that God is going to tell you that are going to make sense. Yeah, like God appears to him eventually and he tells him, you're going to have a child and he's 90. Reason. Try to reason and see if it's going to make sense. So when you're dealing with God, you have to understand that you're dealing with a supernatural being who transcends the natural realm. And through this God, we can receive things that are beyond reason. Shout hallelujah. hallelujah. And so this is, this is where I'm going to show you. So I'm going to show you some very important things. So when you look at the book of Genesis chapter number 15, God appears to Abraham. At the time, you, uh, at the time it was Abraham, before Abraham came in. So uh, God appears to him and he begins giving him instructions. So I'm going to read a few scriptures that are going to take us to the place I want, I want us to be. I was just giving you a background. God has chosen Abraham already and he wants to work with him. Alright, so Genesis chapter number 15. Who's ready to read? Oh, okay, maybe not today. I don't know if the camera will pick up your voice. But maybe let me just read it. Twenda na yesu Um, I'm going to read a few portions of Genesis chapter number 15. The Bible reads, I'm reading from the NKJV. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, saying, Do not be afraid, Abram. I'm your shield, your exceedingly great reward. So what you do is you put your name here. Eh? Mm -hmm. If you want to live in these times and you want to experience God, because you won't find your name in the Bible. <laughs> Sorry, it's already written. But then you can push your name there. That's, those are acts of faith. After these things, the word of the Lord appeared to Chushi. You can put your name there. You know, after these things, the word of the Lord appeared to Daniel. 
Mm. Put your name there, everybody. Let's read it. Mm. Once you go, you put your name. After these things, the word of the Lord appeared to you. Otherwise, it won't appear to you if you are not saying, ah, but wait, appear some. You have to <laughs> do such things. All right. But Abraham said, Lord God, what will you give me saying I go childless and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus? Then Abraham said, look, you have given me no offspring. Indeed, one born in my house is my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him saying, this one shall not be your heir, but one who will come from your own body shall be your heir. So this is a man who is about 75 or around 80 as at that time before the second time God appeared to him. Then he brought him outside and said, look to, to, toward heaven and count the stars if you are able to number them. And he said to him, so shall your descendants be. And he believed in the Lord and he counted to him for righteousness. Just that. I was reading this scripture last night and I was bothered. <laughs> Just that and he was a righteous man. God told him, I'll give you a child. And he said, I believe. And just like that, he was the first righteous man. Wow. Wow. That's why the Bible in the New Testament talks to us about a righteousness which is of faith. Not what you think, oh, just by believing it. No, yes, you can become righteous just by believing Jesus Christ. That's all. He didn't do anything. In fact, at the time before he was even doubting, he was like, mm -hmm. me, am I even going to have a child like that at my age? Then God said, yeah, you, you actually will. And then he said, okay, you know what, Lord, I believe. Just like that, he became righteous. So it doesn't matter how you think it's supposed to be difficult. The Bible says it's supposed to be this easy. Amen. Righteousness is not what you do. Yeah. There are wicked people who do righteous things because righteousness is not an act. It's imputed to your nature by God, okay? You become righteous because you receive the gift of Jesus Christ, not because you did righteous things. Like I say, you can back all you like and still remain a human being. <laughs> See, you can do woof, 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 you still be a human being. So the fact that you are backed so perfectly, like a puppy, does not turn you into a puppy. Your nature has to be changed. The thing has to be imputed in you. Like we say, you do not have to, you, you, you cannot become a car by sleeping in a garage. Okay? So in the same way, righteousness is not what you do. Righteousness is not where you are. It's not even how you act. Okay? The Bible says the Antichrist shall bring peace. Yeah. He shall unite nations, but he will still be the Antichrist. Then he will just change color like that after a few years. See? So the fact that someone is able to do righteous works does not make them righteous. Because righteousness is a nature which you receive when you believe in God through Jesus Christ. Then he comes into your heart and his spirit takes over your spirit and you become like Jesus, a righteous man. Shout hallelujah. hallelujah. So that's what righteousness is about. And this man, the Bible says, he believed God. And he, and he counted it to him for righteousness. Then he said to him, I'm the Lord who brought you out of, of, Ur, of, the, of the Chaldeans to give you this land to inherit it. And he said to God, Lord God, how shall I know that I will inherit it? And then God tells him to bring a sacrifice. Okay? God tells him to bring a sacrifice. He said to him, bring me a three-year-old heifer, a three-year-old female god, a three-year-old ram, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. And he brought all this to him and cut them in two down the middle and placed each piece opposite the other. But he did not cut the birds in two. And when the vultures came down on the carcass, Abraham drove them away. Okay? So we get to now the important part. Verse 12. Now when the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abraham. And behold, horror and great darkness fell upon him. When he said to Abraham, then he said to Abraham, talking about God, know certainly that your descendants 
will be strangers in a land that is not theirs and will, and will serve them and they will afflict them 400 years and also the nation whom they will serve I will judge. Afterwards they shall come out with great possessions. Now as for you shall go to your fathers in peace and you shall be buried at a good old age. But in the fourth generation, that's to mean 400 years later, they shall return here uh, after the iniquity of the Amorites has become complete. Okay, so God begins to tell him things that are going to happen 400 years. Uh, I mean, hundreds and hundreds of years, then 400 of years later. He tells him, your descendants are going to be in a foreign land. And after they're in a foreign land, they are going to be there for 400 years. Then afterwards... I'll take them out. I'll take them out. And in those 400 years, they are going to be under slavery. Are we good? Okay. So, now, here is what, how it began. And so, there was Isaac who came after Abram. And then there was Jacob who came. There was Isaac after Abram. And there, Abraham. And then there was Jacob afterwards. And then Jacob uh, experienced where they were. They experienced a famine. Like the one that was in the time of Abraham and the one that was also in the time of Isaac. Uh, so they experienced this famine so much that they decided, look, we are going to die. And so they went to Egypt. Now, Egypt was um, a secular nation. In fact, it was a godless nation. Because the greatest god in Egypt, do you know who the number one god was in Egypt? Pharaoh. Pharaoh was the number one god. There were many gods that they used to serve. The god of fertility, the moon god, the sun god, the god of the earth, the god of the Nile River, and different kinds of god. But then, you know, you find this in history. Sometimes Pharaoh would like expel some gods if he thinks they are not like doing their job. <laughs> so Pharaoh was a god in himself. He didn't care which god is thinking what. Him, he was a real god to him. Okay? So... Before that, Joseph had already gone to Egypt and he had established a very good relationship with, uh, with, 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 with Pharaoh and the Egyptians because he had become the prime minister of the Egyptian nation. And so when the brothers came, they found that Egypt was actually doing well economically, politically, and in terms of their food and agriculture. They were doing very well. In fact, when you read through history, you'll be amazed that um, that that they had some of the earliest ancient civilization, including writing. Okay, so it was a very civilized community, and the Israelites went there, and they used to live in a part of Egypt called Goshen. Okay, so when Jacob went there, and Joseph welcomed them, and the, that Pharaoh welcomed them, and they lived happily ever after. They were no more hungry. Everything was just going well. But the Bible started, started to say they began to grow and multiply. And then that generation for Jacob, Jacob died. Joseph also died. His brothers also died. The children of Jacob died. Remember, Jacob came with 70 children. Apart from the 12 tribes, which are not uh, the 12 tribes, he himself he had 70 children. <laughs> okay? Yeah, when you read history, you'll find that. So, now, you have to understand that the Israelites uh, were a blessed nation. So there was something about their health and the way they used to behave. Everything they touched prospered. Although they were in a foreign land, they used to prosper. Mm -hmm. The Bible says, after that generation had died, a new pharaoh arose mm -hmm. who started looking at their multiplication and he said, Behold, now we are in Exodus 1. Behold, these people have become so many for us 
that they are so successful. If we do not lord it over them, they are going to join some other enemies during a war and they are going to take over us. So what they did is they now turned them into slaves. Now God's prophecy yeah. begins being fulfilled. Mm -hmm. So they turned them into slaves and they made them work. But the Bible says something interesting. The Bible says the more they afflicted them, the greater they multiplied. That's the strangeness of the blessing. The more you, you, you try to bury it, the more you try to intimidate it, the more you try to asphyxiate it, the greater it grows. So if you don't want to be frustrated by the blessing, leave it alone. Because the Bible says whatever Satan meant for your evil, God will turn that very thing into your good. Genesis 50 uh, verse 20, that's what Joseph said. He said, whatever you meant for my evil, God has got the knack to turn that same very thing into our good. You can imagine how many ministries as at now, how many ministries as at now have grown in their social media and how much we've taken over social media. I mean, people have bought cameras, people have stormed social media and the gospel is being preached like never before on social media. You're just opening it, you're finding the gospel everywhere. I mean, Satan must be very irritated and frustrated, like always. So every time that he brings something against you, God uses that same very thing to exhort you. And I believe God is going to exhort the gospel and is going to bless us through this. Shout hallelujah. Hallelujah. So the more they punished them, the greater they grew and they multiplied fast. In fact, it reached a point where this, the, another Pharaoh came and he hated the Israelites and he said, you know what? What we are going to do is begin killing all the children over two years and below. Or every, in fact, they said every male child who's born at that time must be killed. And this is exactly what happens. You know, when you, when, you, when you read the Bible, you find that every time that God is trying to do something massively and Satan picks it in the realm of the spirit, he tries to fight it. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's like that even with your own life. Mm -hmm. Now, for example, at this time Moses is about to be born. Okay? Moses, this is after they had been in slavery for a lot of years, let's say for close to 400 years, and as at the time that are supposed to come out, a savior is supposed to be born, Moses. Mm -hmm. So the, 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 the demon spirits see it in the realm of the spirit. You know, when Jesus Christ was born, certain things began to change. For example, star, there's a star that was there. And the wise men began to follow it. So sometimes when God is about to do certain great things, certain things begin to change in the atmosphere. And even evil spirits can see it. So these evil spirits began to inspire uh, Pharaoh to just bring about a death decree. And Pharaoh said, every person who is born and is a boy, specifically they followed boys. Remember also at the time of Jesus Christ, this is not a coincidence, brothers and sisters. At the time that Jesus Christ was born, Herod said, kill every boy who's two years old and below. Why? And it was the first time such a crazy decree was being made. Because Satan became nervous. He knew that when the Savior is born, I am done. So he had to inspire an evil king to do this thing. See that? And I believe personally, even around this time, the devil has become so nervous because there is about to be such a move, and I'm speaking prophetically now. There is such a move that's about to happen as we have never seen before. So Satan wants to lock us up in our houses mm -hmm. so that we should be afraid of each other, we should be afraid of people without faith to reach out there. But the devil is a liar mm -hmm. and has always been lying. We are going out and we are saving souls and we are moving. I mean, I'm talking about a move of God like we have never seen before. When you read through prophecies and how many holy men have prophesied, there is a very powerful move which is about to hit the, the, the face of the earth. 
I mean, where last did you see 3.8 billion? This is the biggest prayer session that has ever happened. Mm -hmm. You know, when, when, when Pastor Chris and Pastor Benny called that meeting, the men of God called that meeting, they reported <coughs> 3.8 billion people. 3.8, first 3 billion people, approximately 3 billion people. Now, those are just, we are just talking about TVs and phones which were able to, 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 to connect. Mm -hmm. Now, think about also the people that were in those living rooms mm -hmm. and those bedrooms and those, mm -hmm. and those, and those, and those watch places. Mm -hmm. You can imagine, that's the biggest prayer meeting the world has ever known. You think God will not answer the prayers. Mm -hmm. Do you know the power of the church? Mm -hmm. Something is happening. And mm -hmm. what's happening right now, we are in birth pants because there's a revival that's about to hit the atmosphere. Mm -hmm. And Satan is nervous. Mm -hmm. So he's trying to move ahead of his time. But we have broken his influence. Yes. We have paralyzed them as before. Remember what the scripture says in the book of Revelation chapter number 12. Now has come uh, 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 God and the kingdom of his Christ. That's talking about us. And then the Bible says they overcame him. If you want to know whether Satan is going to be overcome or not, the Bible records it in past tense. Mm -hmm. So the victory is guaranteed. It's like you're being told that ah, where you're going, you're going to find this and this. Why should you go there when the expert has told you that you're going to find this and this? Why should you go there? Oh, I don't know what I'm going to find. You've already been told what you're going to. So there's a way we walk into this victory. Hallelujah. Oh, I'm excited about it. The devil is a liar. So even this time he lied. And you see, sometimes I see people say, oh no, maybe it's God who's trying to teach us a lesson. It's God who's punishing the nations. I don't really... I don't really think it's God who's punishing the nation with these things. It's the work of the enemy. This doesn't look like God. You are telling me the judgment of God can be stopped by social distancing. I don't know. Like, God is attacking the nations, then they close the borders, and God can't enter a country. Now think of it. Social distancing. You go in your houses, and God can't enter. No, this is not God. If God attacks you, and he says, I'm going to stage an attack this evening. You have to, he has to give you, he has to give you how to protect you from him. Which is what he did when we look at the plagues. Because he told them, look, I'm coming for an attack this side. But here's how you can protect yourselves from me. If God did not tell them how they should protect themselves from himself, you think social distancing was going to work? You think closing the borders was going to work? It don't work like that. So you have to know that when it is God attacking, God have mercy. So anyways, as at the time, Moses is already born. You know the story of Moses and how it comes about. Um, he's born from uh, 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 Hebrew parents. And let me tell you what this, 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 this Pharaoh did. As at the time of Moses' birth, at that time the killing became so intense. And what he said was, get every male child and kill them. He commanded all the midwives of the Hebrews, of the Hebrew women, and he told them, every time a male child is born in the hospital, you have to kill them, you have to strangle the, 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 the child to death. So there were a lot of deaths at the time. But then the midwives, the midwives couldn't. They said every, and you know, they would go out house to house looking for people. And they said, Pharaoh, we couldn't. Then he said, why? He says, because the Hebrew women are not like the Egyptian women. They give birth fast. Yeah. <laughs> That's what's in the Bible. Yes. So then they were just like, <laughs> it's over. <laughs> May you never struggle in your childhood. Amen. That's the power of blessing. That's the power of blessing. Mm. That's, that's what happened. Yeah. So 
He told them, no, this time, be there, so that when the child is born, you take to the Nile River and you drown the children. So when they, they used to drown a lot of children in the Nile River. So what happened was, when Moses was born, there was something about him. He was a precious, handsome young man. When the, when the children, and these were Levites, the parents who gave birth to Moses, when they looked at him, they said, he's too, he's too handsome, we just can't kill him. So the mother decided to hide him and put him in a basket and covered it with mortar and pushed him in the Nile River. And then when, when, when one of the princess, uh, princesses saw him, you know, he, she looked at him and said, mm, this child is too pretty, he's too handsome. You know, I don't know what God did to his face, but I'm thinking he looked like me. <laughs> uh, very few of us um, look like that. So anyway, so he looked, he decided, she, she decided, she decided, you know, I'm going to adopt this child. Just then Miriam, the sister to Moses, showed up and said, you know, I can help you look for someone to nest the child. And then this, the princess bought into it. You can imagine, oh, that's a good idea. And then the sister took the child to the mother. You can imagine the care that he experienced. Mm -hmm. And if the midwives came, she would just say, oh, this is a child to... The princess. Yeah, but why are you feeding him on breast milk? <laughs> I happened to just have breast milk. <laughs> you know? And it worked because they feared the, the, the king. So they let everything happen. But then you know the story. Moses grew up. And when Moses grew up, he knew within himself, although he grew up as a prince, he knew within himself that I'm not an Egyptian, I'm a Hebrew. Mm -hmm. So when he began walking and going around at one time, he found uh, the, the, the slaves, being one of the slaves, one of the Hebrew slaves, being mistreated and beaten and harassed by an Egyptian captain. And he was filled with fury that he rushed and beat up the Egyptian captain and killed him. And when he noticed he had killed him, he buried him in the sand. He didn't want anybody to know that. And then the next day, as he was walking around, he found two Hebrew people arguing and fighting. Then he was like, but why are you people arguing? You are friends. You are the same blood. Then he said, who made you captain over us? You think we don't know that you killed the captain yesterday? We read it on Wevanta. <laughs> no, we saw you. you were, we were there. And Moses realized, what? I killed an official. Even Pharaoh knows this. Um, if I'm caught, it will be issues. So he had to run away. So he ran away and he ran to Midian. To like a place somewhere. Guess how long he hid there? 40 years. He hid there 40 years. And um, because he was afraid. And when he was there, I believe God was working on him. God was working on him. God was working on him. You can imagine all the learning that he did. He had to get rid of it. 40 years is a long time. Yeah. Guess when Moses began his ministry? He was 80 years old. That's when God called him. Then you are 20 and you're feeling left out because uh, you feel another person is being used more. I'm not telling you to relax. I'm just telling you when the time is right, God will call you. God calls people at different times. So do not think your, your, friend, your friend's page 50 is also your page 50. If you're on page 13, keep flipping. Don't jump. You jump important pages, and then when the exam time reaches, you will not know what to write because you skipped, you skipped pages. Mm -hmm. And there's no way of thinking about what you have not read. You will think all you like. If you never saw it, it will not come to your attention. Okay? Mm -hmm. Amen, students. Yeah. I'm just saying. So what happens is, 
he develops himself and then God appears to him. And when God appears with him, I'm telling you how this whole love story started. Mm -hmm. God appears to him in a burning bush. So he's, he's now a shepherd. He's an eight-year-old shepherd. He's now settled. This is my calling. So he's shepherding his flock and shepherding his father-in-law's flock, in fact. He was a very humble guy. No wonder God says he's the meekest man. How do you shepherd your father-in-law's flock for 40 years with a, an ego as big as yours? No. So him, he did it. Okay? He didn't say, ah, now I've grown, so I need to, I need my own bondy for now. I need my own crib. I've saved you now 20 years. It's enough, I think, at this point. No, he kept serving. He needed to attain a certain heart for him to be a pastor for 3 million people. So God was straining him all that time, okay? And so God appears to him and he begins talking to him in a burning bush. God tells him, look, I think it's now time for me to save my people. Like I promised my servant Abraham, I think it's about time. And we are in, as of now we are in Exodus chapter number 3. I've been moving, we are now in Exodus chapter number 3. Don't worry, I'll just tell you the main points of what happened. So, uh, Moses is like, Okay, you are the God of the Hebrews. So, if I go there, what should I tell them? Tell them that I am that I am has sent you. Like, that's all? Yes. Okay. I don't talk properly. I like stammer. It took me a while for even that girl to accept me because if you saw it, I'm sure I am God. You noticed the trouble that I had. Then God is like, but I created the mouth. But Moses is like, I know, but, and this is what a lot of people do. The word of God is very clear. They are saying, but, they are putting but in the way they are, you know. But God is saying, you, you have to let go of that and just trust me. There are certain times when God is going to part the sea for you, but certain times, like what the Bible says in the book of Joshua, after chapter number three, they had to walk into the water. This time God didn't part it. Mm -hmm. It was their step of faith that caused the waters to part. So sometimes God will part the water for you, but the next level, you require to just start walking and then the water will part. So if you are waiting for God to work the same way he worked before, you may end up having a religious spirit, mm -hmm. you know. So uh, he should have just accepted and just gone, and then suddenly he would have been able to open his mouth. But then God gives in and he says, you know what, I am going to make Aaron your prophet, and you'll be like a God to him. And, and God thought we are done just before Moses went. He was like, one more thing. Uh, you mean that so? Nothing else? Then just listen? I'm not too sure what. God is like, okay, what do you have in your hands? Then Moses is like, I've got a stick. And then he says, throw it. He threw it and it became a snake. <clears throat> Moses wanted to run away. God told him, you don't have to hold it back. He said, you are touching it. I'm not touching the thing. <laughs> I said, no, touch it. Can you touch it? Okay, okay. So he touches it and it turns back into the stuff. Oh, wow. I'm not convinced. <laughs> God tells him, okay, take your hand, put it inside your inside inside your clock. And when he put his hand inside his clock, he removed it and it became leprous. White leprosy. E manager level five. I don't know if they are levels, but yeah, let's imagine that it's like level five. And he put it back and it became a normal hand. So God was simply trying to tell him that I'll be with you in signs and wonders. And I want to tell you that whatever God has told you to do, he'll be with you in signs and wonders. And this is the age we are for, for signs and wonders. So at this point, God sends him. And God, God sends him. The Bible says he met 
a very difficult pharaoh at the time. I don't know if it was the same one, but he met a very difficult pharaoh. When he told him, you have to let God's people go because God says they have to worship me and save me in the mountain, pharaoh was like, what's this ridiculous kind of stuff I'm hearing? You let the slaves go so that they can go and do what? Go worship him. Who is this God? God, tell God I don't care. Okay? I think these people, they are very lazy. That's what Pharaoh said. He says they are lazy. So he said, remove the, the, remove the, the, the straw that they used to make brick. Let them make brick twice as they make with straw, but without straw, just using man. So they worked and they worked, and then the elders went to complain. to say, look, Pharaoh, what you have done to us, it was not our fault. It's this Moses who came with these new things. He said, you are lazy. You are, he was so upset. And so they went to complain to Moses. They said, ah, this same God, we thought he was going to deliver us, but he couldn't even deliver us from Pharaoh. Ah, wait, I said, no. Then Moses went to talk to God. You know the story. And this is the important part. Because God said, I'm going to judge the nation. Remember what God told Abraham? He says, I will judge the nation that is going to enslave them. So God specifically said that he was going to harden Pharaoh's heart for purposes of judging the nation that had held captive his children for 400 years. He wasn't happy. He was going to judge them. Now, that slavery was also symbolic. Remember that God specifically chose Abraham and the children and the descendants that were going to come out of Abraham to use them as a type through which the whole world had to be saved. Mm. So in God's original, original intent, he wanted to save Adam. That means the entirety of the race. Remember what the Bible says in Romans 5, that through one man, sin entered the world. It also means that through one man, redemption and righteousness is going to enter the whole world. So although God did it in stages, he did it with Abraham, and he also did it with Israel, his biggest picture was for the whole world to be saved. His biggest picture was for Adam to be saved, and his descendants shout hallelujah. Hallelujah. And so what happens is, uh, he begins meting out punishment now on them, and slavery is symbolic of people without God. These were chosen people. But without the protection of God, when they went under Pharaoh, they experienced slavery. And Egypt is a type of the world. Egypt is a shadow of the world. Egypt symbolizes the world where people are given to sickness, where people are given to worldliness, where people are given to idol worship. And idol worship, for some of you who think it's just about raising this idol and worshipping it because it looks like a tree. Yeah, that's idol worship. But people worship material possessions. People worship their attitudes. They are loyal to their job, you know, and they want money. That's all idol worship. And they are blind of a spiritual life. That's all idol worship. And that's what used to happen in Egypt, including the slavery. And God wanted to save them and everybody from that kind of slavery. Are you following me? Yes. All right. And so a number of uh, a number of a number of plagues. God brought in a number of plagues so that He could deliver the Israelites out of Egypt. And there are ten of them. Okay. Number one, the sign He did was He turned the snake. This, the, the, it, this was just a sign. He turned the stuff into a snake. Mm -hmm. But the Israelite, the, 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 the Egyptians were like, ah, that's just a magic show. Even my magicians can do that. And the magicians came and they did it. And Pharaoh was like, so, you know, it wasn't too impressive. So his heart was hardened. So he, this, God said, look, I'm going to do certain things. He started to bring about 
plagues. The first plague was he turned water into blood. All the water, imagine the Bible records that even the water that was in their jugs in their houses. First he took his rod and dipped it into, into a river now and it turned into blood and all the fish died. And the Bible says the city began to stink of fish flesh. And everything, the frogs, the whales, everything in now, if there are any animals that depend on the oxygen on the water, they all died. You know, so the place was stinking. When he said, okay, please pray that God stop, stops these things. God stopped them. Pharaoh's heart was still hard. The next one was frogs. God sent frogs. And guess what? All these things were not happening, were not happening in Goshen where the Israelites were. Mm -hmm. All these things were only happening in the side where the Egyptians were. Mm -hmm. He is a God who strikes a distinction between the Egyptian and the Israelite. God is going to strike a distinction in your life. Mm -hmm. I'm telling you, he's done that before, he's going to do it again. Mm -hmm. Okay? So there were frogs everywhere. You can imagine, you're trying to open the door, you think someone is knocking, you just hear... Mm -hmm. uh, there's, there's a girigidi of frogs entering your house. <laughs> uh, it's a swamp, but let's just imagine it's a girigidi of frogs. Girigidi, they enter your house. You're trying to run to your bedroom. You find them. You don't know how they came in your bedroom. You don't know where you're going. As you are running, you're stepping on them. So you're running out. There are frogs all over the shore. They are like everywhere, these frogs. They said, oh, pray that God stops these things. And he prays, and God stops them. They are thinking, oh, maybe he'll change his mind. The Bible says he hardened his heart. God said, okay, I'm going to send lice in there. Okay? Ticks, just parasites. I don't know, different, different, um, different, different, different versions recorded differently. Okay? Now, when he did water into blood, the magicians also did it. When he created frogs, the magicians also did it. But when he made lice, other versions say mosquitoes. Mosquitoes came from dust everywhere. Nangulais, I don't know. The Bible says on man and beast, only in Egypt. Under your feet. Like everywhere. Like they were all over the place. The things were all over the place. And then the Bible says the magician tried to do the same things and they failed. And they told, they told, they told uh, Pharaoh, they said, mm, Sir, this is God. Let's quit this thing. He said, Die. Eh. He said, Okay, tell him to stop. When he stopped, the Bible says he hardened his heart again. When God stopped the plague, he hardened his heart. Pharaoh, And it's because God hardened his heart. Because even the magicians gave up on the third plague. They said, Sir, <laughs> look at the economy. It has gone down. We cannot do these things. He said, no, we are going to do it again. I think these things are just, these people are just lazy. You just didn't have enough power. Maybe just fast, my magicians. You can also do the same tricks. These are just tricks. He hardened his heart. Okay. Then the next plague, flies. Flies were all over the place. And the Bible says the land became polluted. Maybe you are thinking those to my life. Pretty little flies. That is, hey, no, I'm talking about the green ones. <laughs> Because the Bible says the land became polluted. You can't sell food anymore. You're trying to hide everything. You say, let's hide some of this in the fridge. You open the fridge, you find them there. Okay, they're just everywhere, like bees on a beehive, like <laughs> just all over. The land became polluted. They said, no, 
Pharaoh said, oh, okay, I've thought about it. Let's not do this. I can't do this anymore. We are going to starve to death. The plague stops. They say, okay, 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 okay. Ah, these things can even stop. Pharaoh realizes these things can even stop. He decides, ah, uh, they are not going anywhere again. You can imagine, he's not done. God decides, oh, he's not done. Let me send another one. Sickness on all the livestock for, them, for the Egyptians. They began to die. Cattle, goats, sheep. They said, we are becoming poor. Please, Pharaoh, let these strange people go. <laughs> Pharaoh said, please, pray to this your people, to this your, this your God, Moses, so that he leaves us alone. We've lost all the meat. We can't even sacrifice to our God. Okay, fine. Moses prays. And he tells them, please, this time do not cheat. Don't cheat. Let the people go, otherwise you are going to die. He says, I've repented. Actually, he said, look, Moses, I've sinned against God. I've realized. I have a hard heart. That's what the Bible says. I've sinned against God. I don't want to do this again. Please, pray for me that God forgives me. But Moses listened. Went back came back, said, ah, you know what? <sighs> we just can't let you go like that. I think uh, you're just lazy. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone in his council was shocked. Why are you doing this? And God was deliberately hardening Pharaoh's heart so that he can punish Egypt. Why was God doing this? When you find the answer, share with me. <laughs> because the Bible says, God brought about this specific pharaoh just so that through him he can show his glory. That was why that pharaoh was born, to show forth the glory of God. In, 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 in punitive signs and wonders and plagues. Why did God do that? I don't know. So that he can show his glory. Just thank God you are not that pharaoh and you are not Egypt, in Egypt at that time. And move on and believe in Jesus, please. Some questions you want, they won't help you. Okay. So the next thing that happens is God sends rain with hell. It rained cats and dogs of fire. Imagine it's raining. It's raining fire. And all their fields bend. Still, Pharaoh's heart was hardened. Then there came locusts. Bamakanta. Those locusts which eat everything they find. You find the men mutated, they are eating your bread. They are not just eating grass. <laughs> they eat, they eat, they eat. They say, oh, okay, we are now finished. Let's see. You look, people, it had to take God to harden someone's heart to resist God like that. I don't think even if he was Pharaoh, I'm going to go Pharaoh, he would have won this fight, God had not hardened his heart. Mm -hmm. See that? It was God behind, just making sure that he finishes Egypt before they go. What a season it must have been. And then what happens is, afterwards, he says, ah, I'm not very convinced that these people should go. Then the final one, this is our point of interest. Our final one is, in, is in when God says, I'm going to send this final one. This final plague is going to cripple him. I'll kill all the firstborns that belong to Egypt including the one who sits on his throne, the one who's supposed to take over from him. God, Moses told him, this is what is going to happen. He said, no, uh, I'm still not going to let them go. 
So God gives them very specific instructions concerning this Passover. He says, when the night comes, oh, by the way, I forgot one more. There was one for darkness. Well, there was darkness everywhere. But you can read those things in the book of Exodus. So God says, I'm going to pass around Egypt and around the place and ensure that you take, he gave them very specific instructions. And you have to remember this because these types are very important towards what happened in the New Testament. Exodus chapter number 12. The Passover instituted. Are we good? We are good? Alright. The Bible reads, Now the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, This month shall be your beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. Speak to all the congregation of Israel, saying, On the tenth of this month, every man shall take for himself a lamb, according to the house of his father, a lamb for a household. Are you listening to that? And if the household is too small for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next to his house take it according to the number of the persons, according to each man's need you shall make your count for the lamb. Your lamb should be without blemish. Very specific instructions. God was trying to talk about Jesus Christ and how he should be. And this is, this is an issue with, uh, with our Jewish friends. They can't see this anymore. Then they can't see this because they believe Jesus is not yet here. The Messiah has not yet come. But he was specifically telling them this should be without defect. Your lamb shall be without blemish. A male of the first year. You may take it from the sheep or from the gods. Now, you shall keep it until the 14th day of the same month. Then, listen to this. This is important for the next scripture we are going to read. Okay? Then the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it at twilight. And they shall take some of the blood and put it on doorposts and in the lintel of the house where they eat it. Hmm. Verse 12, for I will pass through the land of Egypt that night and will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast. That means man and animal. And against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. He was even going to the demons. Now, the blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see blood, I will pass over you. And the plague shall not be on you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. That's how Passover was born. It was because of this plague. He said, I will pass over you when I see the blood. I will not judge you when I see the blood. Mm -hmm. And he gives them very specific instructions of where that blood must come from. Mm -hmm. He says, what should happen is, all the elders at twilight, alright, they should, uh, that means as the sun is about to set, between 15 hours, uh, 15 hours and 18 hours, they should get a lamb and they should go together and they should kill it. And then they should take off that blood and then smear it on their doorposts. Using that shank bone of the lamb or the goat. And then they should smear it. And when I come, when I see the blood, I shall pass over you. That blood was redemptive blood. That blood was symbolic of the, of the, of the blood that was supposed to save them from the judgment of God. Because the judgment of God is coming. And the firstborn means your strength. The firstborn also means the expression of everything that you inherit. So, 
Every, when we look at the interpretation of the word firstborn in the spirit, it's not just about the child, it was also symbolic. When, in those days, when your firstborn is taken out, it means that everything you ever planned for your inheritance is taken out. It means your life and your continuation has been cut off. That was the strength of the firstborn when we look at, uh, at those days. So for God to say, I will strike all the firstborns, he was basically passing judgment on, on all their lives and their generations to come. That's what God was doing. And only the blood would save them. The blood of a lamb without defect. I want you to look at something, okay? Mm -hmm. I want you to look at the book of um, <coughs> Matthew chapter number 27. Matthew, I'm going to read you to number 27, verse... So this is, uh, this is now, we are in the New Testament, as of now. <clears throat> verse... We're going to read from verse 15. So as at this time, Judas has already betrayed the Lord Jesus Christ, and a lot of things have happened in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he's been tried already by the, by the Sanhedrin, and he's been found guilty of blasphemy. And so they take him to Pilate and they say, look, this guy is instilling and is, is, uh, is beginning to bring about a, a rivalry between you and the people, the Israelites. And he calls himself a king, which is a treasonable offense, okay, which is a sedition, it's a treasonable offense. So he says, we want you to kill him because according to their law, when a man claims to be God, remember Jesus Christ said, I'm the son of God, therefore making himself equal with God. When a man says he's a son of God, he's making himself equal with God and that's blasphemy. And the high priest, when he heard this, the Bible says he tore his clothes and said, I've never heard such blasphemy. This man deserves to die. And all the Israelites were against him. And so they take him to Pilate and they insist that he has to die. This is where we are now. Okay. Verse 11, now Jesus stood before the governor, and the governor asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered and says, No, so sir. It is as you say. And while he was being accused by the chief priests and the elders, he answered nothing. Then Pilate said to him, Do you not hear how many things they testify against you? But he answered him, Not a word. So that the governor marveled greatly. It was his destiny to die. He couldn't defend himself the way a, 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 the way sheep is or the way a lamb is. Did you know that people who rear sheep actually say, when you decide, when you decide that you are going to kill uh, a sheep tomorrow, it isolates itself and keeps quiet and says nothing. They are strange animals. They know they are going to die. So they say that. So no wonder Jesus had to behave like a lamb. Remember in John 1.29 when he was coming, and I don't know if the Jews read this, when he was coming, when Jesus Christ was coming to be baptized by John, because they respect John and they respected John. When he was coming, John said, here now comes the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. That was a strong statement. You cannot ignore that. Jesus Christ was the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world on whose blood the judgment of God passes upon those who have accepted it and yielded to what it has done. 
That's the Lamb of God. And so, now the feast, uh, now at the feast, the governor was accustomed to releasing the multitude, one prisoner they wished. And at that time, they had a notorious prisoner called Barabbas. Therefore, they said, therefore, when they had gathered together, Pilate said to them, whom do you want me to release to you, Barabbas or Jesus Christ of Nazareth? Jesus Christ, your king. At this point, Barabbas was testing them. There may have been many prisoners that were caught, but he, because, you see, Pilate was trying to find a way of releasing Jesus. Why? Because he, he was telling him, look, I want to release you. <laughs> Jesus asked why. He said, my wife, she's for things, Claudia, she's been having strange dreams. But he also looked like an innocent guy. So he was trying to find a way of letting Jesus Christ go. So what he did is he got the worst criminal called Barabbas, who had begun an insurrection and he was a murderer. And he said, who should I choose between Jesus Christ since at Passover, as they were uh, uh, celebrating Passover, he had the custom of releasing one of their prisoners. So should I release to you Jesus Christ of Nazareth, or Barabbas. Then they all shouted, Barabbas! He was in shock. Meaning, it was not even about the type of the prisoner. At that point, it was because they hated Jesus so much. But what they didn't know was this. Although Satan was working hard in their spirits and in their hearts to make sure that Jesus Christ dies, God was using Satan and these inspirations. Yeah, it was Satan who was inspiring them. Remember the Bible says, and Satan entered Judas. Mm -hmm. So Satan was at work, working for God. Without knowing, <laughs> working for God. Remember, all things work together for your good. Mm -hmm. Ah, he's not too smart, please. Working for God. Say, 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 Barabbas. Say, Barabbas. So, here's how it goes. You know, look at this. <clears throat> Therefore, when they had gathered together, Pilate said to them, Whom do you want me to release to you, Barabbas or Jesus, who, you, who is called Christ? For he knew that they had handed him because of envy. Okay? While he was still sitting on the judgment seat, his wife sent to him, saying, I have nothing to do with this just man, for I have suffered many things in a dream because of him this evening. But the chief priests and the elders persuaded the multitudes that they should ask for Barabbas and destroy Jesus. The governor answered and said to them, Watch of the, Which of the two do you want me to release to you? Now listen to this. They said, Barabbas! Exclamation mark. Pilate, Pilate said to them, What then shall I do with Jesus who is called Christ? They said, Let him be crucified. Then the governor said, Why? What evil has he done? But they cried out all the more, Let him be crucified. When Pilate saw that he could not prevail, at all, but rather that a tumult was rising, or a, a, a riot was rising. He took water and washed his hands before the multitude, saying, Nasamba mo, I'm innocent of the blood of this just person. You see to it. And all the people answered and said, now this is important, this part is important. The Bible says, all the people answered and said, His blood be on us and our children. When, 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 when Barabbas said, I mean, when Pilate said, Nasambamo, I've washed my hands, I've got nothing to do with this. You are doing it yourself and the blood is on your hands. In other words, they said, we don't care. Now, remember what was said in the book of Exodus chapter number 12. What was said in the book of Exodus chapter number 12 was, um, 
what you should do so that my judgment can pass over you is you go together and you gather and you kill the lamb and you take that blood and you put it on your houses. In other words, they never knew that they were actually just fulfilling scripture when they are saying, let his blood come over us and upon their children. That statement, although it was done in envy, they ignorantly said, we receive his blood as remission for our sin in fulfillment of the instruction that he gave for Passover so that his judgment can pass over us. They never knew. That's why the Bible says, had they known, they would have not crucified the Lord of glory. But they had no clue. They were just saying, Tanikin, crucify him, crucify him. So you see, what was happening in the Old Testament was a type and a shadow. God knew exactly what they needed to do at the time. They knew, that's why he was telling them, here's how we should do it. Here's how we should do it. Everyone should come and gather. Because he was seeing that picture when Jesus Christ was going to be accused and, their, and his blood was going to fall on their heads and their children's heads. Are you listening to me? Yes. Isn't it interesting? When you read the Bible, you are amazed at the accuracy of the prophetic words. You are amazed at how God is a God of detail and how he did things the way he did. It's so amazing. But obviously, you know, Three days, he rose again. Mm. After three days, he rose to life. And when he rose to life, he had risen with a resurrected body. And by that blood, which is called the blood of the new covenant, all the sins and all the offenses that they had caused against God, God forgave them. And through that blood, the judgment which God is supposed to meet out between both Jew and Gentile, because of that blood, when we accept the sacrifice that God has, through that blood, we all become free of the judgment of God. God is not judging the world today. He meted out his judgment through Jesus Christ. I'm telling you. A time is coming when God will judge the world. And what the Bible says, when we come back after rapture, we will judge the world together with God, but not in this, in this day and age. God is not judging the world. I don't think God is judging the world. When I look at the scripture, he meted out his judgment in the blood of Jesus Christ, and his blood was accepted. And what, the, what, 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 what we read, and we're about to take our communion very soon, what we read in the Bible, when we read the Bible, what we discovered is, what we discover is that this blood was the blood of the new covenant. That Shedding of the blood of Jesus Christ spelled the birth of the church. The blood of bulls and goats was spelling the covenant between God and the Israelites. But when Jesus Christ was pierced and blood and washed up, water gushed out, the church was born at that time. Something new came that was never there. And everybody who participates in that blood Everybody who agrees and gives his life to Christ has come under the penalty that was meted out on, the, uh, on Jesus Christ through his death and blood and is part of the New Testament, just like that. What a privilege. And I'm, I'm, I'm telling you today, if you are watching me right now, there has been... We are about to take a, 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 a very short break right now and we'll get into preparing the... the, the the communion, but what I want you to know is even as at now, if you have lived a life of sin and you know that you need forgiveness from God, the Bible says in the book of Acts chapter number 12, 
chapter 4, verse 12. Neither is any name given under earth by which men shall be saved. Talking about the name of Jesus. There's no blood that can ever save a human being except the blood of Jesus. That perfect sacrifice that was offered once and for all. And I want to tell you right now, only Jesus is the way, the truth, and the light. And the life. No one comes to the Father except through him. You have to put your trust in Jesus and repent of your sin and heaven is yours. But beyond, beyond just heaven, a relationship with God is yours. If you felt far from God, maybe because of the things you've done or the things you've not done, this is an opportunity for you to rebuild that relationship through Jesus Christ and his perfect sacrifice. And that Passover, that Passover will be yours because God will pass over your sins when you see the blood of Jesus is speaking to you. Because the Bible says the blood of Jesus speaks for us a better word than the blood of Abel. It speaks even today. And if you are here, I want you to close your eyes where you are. And just, I'm going to lead you to the right way to do this, to give your life to Christ. Say, Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus. Those in the audience can just help so that we are in sync. Say, Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus. I believe you are the Son of God. I believe you are the Son of God. I believe you are the Lamb of God. I believe you are the Lamb of God. That takes away the sin of the world. That takes away the sin of the world. Thank you. Thank you. For having died for me on the cross. For having died for me on the cross. I believe your body was broken for me. I believe your body was broken for me. And your blood was spilled for me. And your blood was spilled for me. I receive that perfect sacrifice and I'm grateful. I receive that perfect sacrifice and I'm grateful. I receive you into my heart. I receive you into my heart. I receive eternal life into my spirit. I receive eternal life into my spirit. Um born again. I am born again. I'm a brand new man. I'm a brand new man. Amen. Amen. So if you have just prayed that prayer with us, I would like you to um, go to the page where you're watching from, send us a message via uh, Facebook on Messenger, and we are going to get right back to you. Um, I think as of now, I think everything is ready. So you can just play us something soft as we get ready to serve communion.